Welcome to the Adoption and Foster Care Journey, a podcast to encourage, educate, and equip you to care for children and youth through adoption, foster, and kinship care. Hosted by an adoptive mom with over 22 years of kinship and adoptive parenting experience, she's on this journey with you. Please welcome Sandra Flack. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. That is Psalm 121 verses 1 and 2. I'm your host, Sandra Flack. Thank you for joining me for this episode. Today, we are going to continue my series on the primary characteristics of FASD, fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. I started this series um, a couple months back and and, uh, covered a few of the symptoms, and I'm going to pick up where I left off. Uh, Whether or not you know much about FASD or if you have a child that's diagnosed or not, this episode will be helpful for all adoptive, foster, and kinship caregivers. But first, a little update, uh, continued prayers requested for my grandson, Killian. As I record this, um, he is recovering from his third open heart surgery. Um, he just had uh, yesterday and uh, they replaced a conduit, um, something to do with the um, aortic valve. Um, and it the similar to the surgery he had two months ago, but the conduit was failing. So they needed to replace that. And while the surgeon was in there, they were also going to widen um, the pulmonary artery or some artery, some key important artery. Um, and now that the left side of his heart is functioning normal for the very first time ever, the surgeon is confident that this repair um, to the right side should do the trick. Uh, Killian and his mom have literally been living in the children's hospital in Denver for over two months straight through Thanksgiving, through Christmas, through New Year's, and it has been a tough road, a daily roller coaster ride, literally a roller coaster ride every day. It goes from good news to bad news to good news to bad news. So strained, such a strain on their little family. So please pray that this surgery is successful. So far, the report is that it all went well. Um, but pray that he will have um, just a, a perfect recovery so that they can finally go home. Um, stay tuned for my social media if you'd like to see pictures of Killian, if you'd like regular real-time updates. There is a Facebook page uh, called Killian John Cardiac Warrior. Um, you can follow that page and pray and um, offer encouragement there. Um, I also share, usually every evening, I will share whatever my daughter posts um, to give to give an update that way. But Killian is the first born son of my daughter, Missy, who joined our family in 1999 through a kinship placement. And you can read our family's adoption story in my book, Orphans No More, A Journey Back to the Father. You can uh, grab it wherever you like to buy your books. Um, it really details how all five of our adopted children joined our family. In fact, today, the day that I'm recording this episode is actually January 7th 
Um, and today marks 16 years to the day that we arrived home from Ukraine with our first three um, Ukrainian adopted, internationally adopted kiddos. Um, I'm amazed that 16 years has gone by already. Missy joined our family first, and then we adopted the three uh, siblings from Ukraine. And then a few years later, we returned for our the youngest of the four Ukrainian kids. So um, that's how our kids come home. So my book details and tells that whole story of why we adopted and how the kids came in and what life was like and the challenges we faced and, and all the things. So you're welcome to check that out. Um, but please keep Killian in your prayers and my daughter, Missy and her husband, Corey. I greatly appreciate that. So before we get to today's topic, I do have an important announcement. Natalie Vecchione of the FASD Hope podcast and Sandra Flack of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey podcast would like to invite you to join their Hope for the FASD Journey, a virtual support community for parents and caregivers raising individuals with an FASD, diagnosed or not. This faith-based community includes an online bi-monthly support group, a monthly VIP conversation, and a private Facebook group which includes a video devotional from Natalie and Sandra every Saturday. To register, visit justicefororphansny.org forward slash training forward slash F-A-S-D. And... Coming up in early 2023, this month, because we are now in January, I am offering two online workshops, a free 45-minute lunch and learn, which is an introduction to FASD. I will be going over the primary, secondary, tertiary characteristics, the impact of alcohol on a developing fetus, all of the things kind of give you an idea of how to make accommodations. Um, so it's about 45 minutes of instruction. And then I leave, um, I stay on the call and leave the last 15 minutes um, for questions from those who participated. So it really ends up being an hour, but it's 45 minutes of instruction and then 15 minutes for for questions. Um, so that uh, that Lunch and Learn is scheduled for Wednesday, January 18th. So right around the corner, it's at one o'clock, 1 p.m. Eastern time. And I'm also offering a three-hour deep dive into FASD. It goes deeper than the lunch and learn because it's three hours of instruction. Um, and I will be utilizing the FACETS neurobehavioral model um, in that training. Uh, so you're going to want to, it's vital. Um, so if you've done a lunch and learn or if you feel like you know a little bit about FASD, but you want to go deeper, um, then the deep dive is for you. Um, and that is being offered on Saturday, January 21st at 10 a.m. Um, both of them are virtual, the Lunch and Learn and the three-hour. Um, I'll be using Zoom, so you have to register for either one that you're interested in or both if you wanted to um, and um, register to get the Zoom link. There is a small fee for the three-hour workshop. The Lunch and Learn is free, um, but either way, in order to register, you go to our website, 
justicefororphansny.org. Click on events and you'll be able to see the different training um, opportunities, workshops that are available to you. And we'll have a link to the website in the show notes for this episode so that you can find them pretty easily. Uh, Also, be sure to check out our bonus episodes with Dr. Jared Brown, uh, PhD. Dr. Brown specializes in trauma, FASD, autism, um, and much more. He's just a wealth of information. Um, This series of episodes with Dr. Brown focuses on topics of particular interest to us adoptive and foster parents. We talk about things such as prenatal trauma, Uh, complex trauma, FASD, but also screen time, executive dysfunction, inappropriate sexual behaviors. If you're parenting, uh, especially a a teenager um, who's had a trauma history or prenatally exposed, that is going to be something that you are going going to need a crash course in. Um, Working memory, cognitive flexibility. There's just so many things that have to do with the brain. Um, and, and Dr. Brown really unpacks those things for us. So regular episodes of this podcast, like you're listening to today of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey, new episodes release on Mondays. But my special episodes with Dr. Brown, they're bonus episodes that we give you on Fridays. Um, I'm doing about 20, 21 episodes all together with Dr. Brown. I think we've done 17 so far. So if you haven't listened to any of them, or if you've only caught one here or there, you can scroll back through our you know episode library and you'll see them because they are, they are um, indicated as bonus episodes. They all land in the same place, but I want you to know about them, especially if this might be the first episode of the adoption and foster care journey that you're listening to. Um, so make sure that you check those out. And, you know, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss a single episode. Um, And so other adoptive and foster and kinship caregivers can more easily find this show and be encouraged and equipped too. So speaking of being equipped, I often talk on this podcast about fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. You're going to hear me mention FASD a lot, even though this podcast isn't solely focused on FASD in every episode. um, It gets talked about a lot, a lot because um, FASD is a brain based lifelong physical condition that can affect the brain and body of people who were exposed to alcohol in the womb. And research tells us that FASD affects one in 20 school-age children in the United States. Now compare that with autism, which affects one in 59. So FASD is much more prevalent but sadly, much less known about or understood or diagnosed. And that is one of the reasons why I talk about it so much. And also, children with FASD are highly overrepresented in the child welfare system, including foster care. On average, a child with an FASD is 17 to 19 times more likely to be in foster care. So that means if you are an adoptive foster or kinship caregiver, whether or not you have a child diagnosed with an FASD, you likely are or will be caring for a kiddo who is on the spectrum somewhere 
the FASD spectrum. Um, and again, most do not get accurately diagnosed. Your kiddo could have a whole alphabet soup of diagnoses and FASD not be one of them. FASD technically is not a diagnosis. It's a spectrum, but all of those alphabet soups of diagnoses that your kid may have could very well come under the umbrella of an FASD. So we really want to educate you, make you aware of it, but also equip you for the journey because it's highly likely you're on the journey and you don't even realize it. The primary characteristics of FASD are as follows, dismaturity, that is when a child's developmental age or cognitive age is much younger than their biological age. So if you have a kid that behaves and acts much younger than they actually are, it's that's a symptom of an FASD. Um, slower processing pace, impulsivity, memory problems, difficulty with abstract concepts like money and time and car insurance, we found out, is very abstract. Uh, difficulty predicting outcomes, sensory processing challenges, difficulty generalizing or forming links, linking information, um, difficulty with cause and effect, problems with organizing and planning, um, and executive function deficits. Um, I've been focusing on uh, highlighting one symptom of FASD in this series on primary characteristics. Um, I've already covered dismaturity. I've covered slow processing pace um, and impulsivity. And today we're going to focus on memory problems. Now, I will point out, if you've caught any of our episodes with Dr. Jared Brown, he really takes several of these topics and goes very deep on a research science level and provides so much information that we're like taking tons and tons of notes. So very, very helpful. And I'm going to kind of give you like the elementary school version of like, this is my life. Like this is, this is what the symptom is. And this is what it looks like at my house. But that could give you a little bit of an understanding of, oh, this is going on at my house too. This could be what we're dealing with. Um, and that's what I hope to do is sort of bring it to your awareness and then um, give you some tools and, and some um, help and support in, in kind of navigating that or letting sharing how I navigate it or how we navigate it at my house, um, just to, to try to help you. Um, so memory problems, that's what we're going to be talking about today. And memory problems when it comes to FASD involve poor short-term auditory memory. Basically, it looks like forgetting instructions, forgetting where one placed things, like does your kid lose their coat or their shoes or some other item frequently, um, forgetting rules, even if they can repeat the rules, they forget to follow them. Um, or forgetting information that was just taught to them or just told to them. Um, and, you know, it can really a lot of times appear like our kids are being difficult, rebellious, 
oppositional, lazy, defiant, or like on purpose, not doing something that you know they should know to do, or you've told them to do or whatever. Um, but we're going to break this down a little bit because it may not be any of that. It could very well be part of a brain-based disability. Your child's brain may have memory challenges. Um, so we're going to kind of kind of go a little bit deeper with this. Um, my, my now 17-year-old son, when he was younger, he, he wears eyeglasses. He needs them to see. And, but he would take off his glasses while playing outside on the swing set. He's 17 now. Um, but so this was more like when he was seven, eight years old, he'd be outside playing. He would take them off, but forget where he put them. So losing his glasses outside, um, you know, like this could also be with things, like I said, shoes, coat, whatever. Um, he lost his glasses all the time. He wouldn't remember if we went somewhere, if, if my husband or I weren't intentionally like, here's your coat, put it on. If we weren't thinking about his coat, neither was he. Um, but the glasses were one of those things like, well, you need these to see. Um, we need to find your glasses. And that was frustrating all the time. And I remember one night hunting around our backyard in the rain, in the dark, with a flashlight, looking for his glasses. And I finally found them after about a half an hour or so. They were sitting on a swing. He just had taken them off, set them on the swing, and went on his way, um, but couldn't remember where he put them. And we were looking outside. Then it got dark, and I sent the kids in, and I just stayed out there determined to find those glasses, which I did. But I finally decided that his glasses would stay inside when he went outside to play. Uh, just to, for my own sanity, I needed to make sure I knew where his glasses are at all times so that we could have them for important things like schoolwork and, and whatever. So, like I said, memory problems can look like disobedience or defiance um, if we don't understand the brain. Um, when a, a parent or a teacher spouts off a list of instructions like, you know, your kid comes home from school, hang up your coat, put your backpack on the table, grab a snack, wash your hands, get ready to do your homework. And then 10 minutes later, we realize most of those instructions that we just issued never got followed. The backpack, maybe it made it next to the table, but the kid is in front of the TV or outside playing or somewhere else. Um, and none of those other things got done. So between slow processing pace, which we covered in a previous episode, um, and the memory problems, an individual on the FASD spectrum cannot process or remember and follow through on a verbal list of instructions like that. Uh, they need one instruction at a time. And once that is complete, then you give the next instruction. Um, because I found that if you give a list of even three things, the only thing my son would remember is the last thing I said, um, or one of those things in that list, um, but not all of them. 
because they he didn't hear all of them because of the slower processing pace. And at the same time, if I gave a list of three things, his memory was not able, his brain was not able to hang on to all three things. So by the time he did maybe one of those things, the other two things, gone, not there, gone. Um, you know, I have a 17-year-old who, during his 30-minute shower, if, you know, like I have to remind him, you know, every other day or so that it's the day to take the shower. Um, and then finally I get him in the shower and then he's like forever in there and doesn't come out. But he has taken showers and been in there forever and come out and never washed his hair because he didn't remember that step. So I now, because he's a teenager, because he has to go to school and other places out in the community and because I want him to be clean, I know he may very well not remember that step. Even if I say, and I often do, on his way into the bathroom, use the shampoo. I've even gone in there and reminded him, this bottle is your shampoo. This is it. Use it. Throughout the time he's in there, I frequently just tap on the door. And when he says, yes, I'll say, shampoo, shampoo your hair. Because again, if I don't give him several reminders, it won't get done. Not because he's being defiant or difficult, but because he doesn't remember that step. He doesn't think of that step. I don't know what he's doing in there, but most of the time he is not using the shampoo. Um, memory problems make learning to read very challenging and frustrating. And if, you know, whether your kid goes to school or you're homeschooling, um, it can be like, you know, you want to bang your head on the table or the wall <laughs> because it seems like so like they should be able to do this. My son can sound out and read a new word on one page. And then when we turn the page and he encounters the same word, has no idea what it is doesn't remember what it is like he's never seen it before i know he learned it he's already read it at least once and we're talking on the same session of reading he'll just simply turn the page and then it's there again and he's like i don't i don't i don't know what that is or he's having a hard time sounding it out again but yet we've had it over and over again you know in those elementary level reading curriculums they're you know repeating those words all the time and sometimes Oftentimes, he'll see a word on more than one occasion and cannot remember it, even if he remembered it one other time, or even if he just learned it and it seems like he knows it. Um, another FASD expert once explained it like this, that the child's brain is like a large filing cabinet. You know you filed that information in there. You know it went into the filing cabinet. You taught it. You explained it. You told it. Whatever. It's in there. And some days, the child can actually retrieve that file and find it. But on other days, that file cannot be located. He can't find it today. But you know what? Tomorrow, he may find it. He may find it in the morning and not be able to find that file in the evening. It is a memory problem, um, not a child being difficult or lazy or whatever, even though it can be very, very challenging. Um, for parents, caregivers, and teachers, and others. So whew, if any of this sounds familiar, again, please realize that your child is not behaving this way on purpose to drive you mad. 
memory problems are a symptom of a neurobehavioral disorder like FASD. So what can we do about it, right? What's, what's the solution? Well, I will tell you there is not a one-size-fits-all magic solution that's going to fix this. Our kids are not going to suddenly turn 18 and outgrow it. You can't discipline or consequence them into remembering or behaving. You also can't reward, chart, sticker, chart, whatever, prize, um, award to get them to remember it or behave. I mean, would you punish someone with a brain injury for not remembering something? Well, FASD is a brain-based condition. So the solution is to accommodate for success. And when it comes to memory, that means we have to change. Parents, caregivers, teachers, professionals, we have to change the way we think about this, about our child. Remember when I said my son always would lose his glasses outside? It wouldn't have mattered what discipline or consequence I issued or award or sticker I put on a chart. His brain was not always going to remember where he set those glasses because his, you know, really, and, and the reality of it is he was outside playing and that was the only thing his brain was focused on, was playing, not on remembering where he put things right? Because that's actually multitasking. Something else a brain prenatally exposed to alcohol has a very difficult time doing. So the accommodation that I made, um, which was after school, I took his glasses before he went outside to play. And I always set them on the same in the same place on his dresser. Well, now, you know, like 10 years later, at the age of 17, that is usually where he puts them himself when he takes them off, usually. Now, yesterday, I did discover them on his bedroom floor next to his bed. The day before, they were left in the bathroom by the sink. So this is not foolproof, but I'm able to extend grace because I always think brain, and I know his brain can't always remember those glasses. Sometimes I am pleasantly surprised when my son remembers something that I didn't expect him to remember. Um, and then I give him that high five, you know, way to go vibe. But most of the time when it comes to remembering, I expect him to not remember. And therefore, I plan ahead for it. Like I set his deodorant out with his shirt um, and give the verbal cue, you know, like, the verbal cue of use shampoo, put on your deodorant. At the same time, even though my son is 17, um, he will ask me to help him pick out his clothes. Um, I give him choices. Do you want to wear sweatpants or do you want to wear jeans? Do you want this sweatshirt or do you want this other shirt? And he'll, he'll, he'll help me, you know, he'll make those decisions. And then I set the shirt that he picked on his bed and I set his deodorant on top of the shirt. And sometimes that works and he actually puts it on. If we're going someplace like church or he's going to his, um, go going to school, um, I will actually sort of hang around and 
make sure that I observe the deodorant going on. But if it looks like he's forgetting the deodorant, I'll hand him the deodorant. Because folks, if not, it just, it doesn't happen. He doesn't remember it. But then on the other hand, the one thing he does remember, which also surprises me, is his retainer at night. And I think it's because it's just part of the routine because we were very on top of when he got braces. Um, I, I, you know, having experienced the nightmare of a kid with braces and not taking care of their teeth because I have an older adult child who most likely prenatally exposed to alcohol, possibly definitely childhood trauma. Um, it was a battle to get that kid to ever brush their teeth or to, you know, wear the retainer or to floss or to do any of the things. And I was felt like I was always in trouble with the orthodontist. And it was always a battle. So lesson learned, you know, with my son who I know has trauma and prenatally exposed, and I knew he couldn't just handle all these extra, you know, orthodontic related hygiene things. Every night, you know, and in the morning, I would be in the bathroom with him and I would literally here's your toothbrush with the toothpaste. Let's, you know, watch where you're brushing. Like I would, like I would walk him through it. And then of course, when he got the braces off and he, and he had excellent hygiene the whole time. Like we had, you know, we got great, 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 uh, you know, reports at the orthodontist. And then when he got the uh, retainer, that became part of our routine at night as well. And for some reason, because it's such an ingrained part of the routine, sometimes I remind him or I'll ask, did you do your retainer? But usually I know he's got it in because he'll talk to me and I can tell he's got it in his mouth. Um, so most most of the time he has that in his mouth without me having to tell him. Now, cleaning the retainer, that's another story. And I'm not even going to go there because it's quite gross. Um, but... That these are the things, you know, I find that my kid does um, very well with the visual, not not the visual, I, I use the visual, but with with the verbal reminders. Um, because especially like I'll go back to the deodorant, um, you know, I don't expect him to remember it. So I set the deodorant out on the shirt, but I have done the visual aid thing. There is there's a there is a picture on his bedroom wall and the same exact picture is on the bathroom wall of, you know, getting dressed, putting on deodorant, you know, those like steps with pictures, cute little pictures of deodorant, picture of a shirt, you know, those kinds of things. Like, I feel like they don't even see them. You know, he, this per- kid in particular, my youngest, really doesn't respond to visual aids very well. Um, he does better with verbal reminders and instruction that way. But if you have a kid who is a visual learner, use visual aids. They're great to help them remember chores and tasks and different things. If you have an auditory learner like my son, um, who prefers the verbal reminders, you know, use the verbal reminders. Um, And of course, make it routine. If there are certain things, you know, that you want them to remember to do as far as their chores, as far as their homework, whatever it is, if you can, you know, their, their hygiene, you know, the, the, the brushing the teeth, the taking the shower, make it routine and really religiously follow the routine because over time it will become a learned pattern of behavior. Um, I can't guarantee that 100%. It's not foolproof, but it will definitely help. 
Um, you know, so routine, structure, pattern definitely helps with these guys. Um, but you know what? I find it is always best for me to remember the important things, um, kind of like I'm being the outside brain, which is really an accommodation um, because I know if he's not going to remember, if either one of my boys are not going to remember something, I will help them to remember it, especially those really important things. Um, you know, use lists and charts and even technology. I myself use my cell phone's notes app to keep my grocery list. I used it to keep my Christmas list of the things I was purchasing for people for Christmas so I wouldn't forget what I bought. Um, I use my phone calendar and I have a paper, you know, book planner calendar. I have to remember to make sure that they both have the same information on them, but I need these things in order to keep my life straight. So our kids who have memory problems, they're going to grow up and need these things, but we can also help them um, to remember things by teaching them how to use these things now. Um, they're great tools to help. Um, it's really only been the past few years that I have uh, come to be FASD informed and equipped. So now the daily vocabulary at our house is very FASD aware, right? And while both of my sons are actually diagnosed with fetal alcohol syndrome, they embrace their diagnosis differently. My older son, who's 19, does not want to be labeled, does not want to be different, um, but yet now realizes at 19 that he does need accommodations with things. Um, he was actually recently, I was so proud of him, he was able to advocate for himself when he realized that though he was given accommodations um, when uh he was taking the firefighter course. He, he joined last year, our volunteer fire um, company. And um, they, they offer this course. It's actually a state course um, on um, it's like beginner exterior fire, whatever base. It's like a basic course that they have to take for fighting fires for exterior fires and things. Um, so, I helped him to register for this class online. I may have shared this on another podcast where um, I happened to notice with the online um, registration form that you could click a box if you needed accommodations. So I'm like, that is a word I know. I wonder what that means. So I clicked it and actually there was a place where we could email his IEP with a list of and fill out a form with a list of the accommodations he would need for this class. And I know that, you know, slow processing pace, um, he needs um, information read to him, he needs the notes provided, um, because he cannot take notes um, himself. So he like, these were the accommodations, and he got those accommodations, and he was doing really well with the class. He, you know, was passing the tests. But um, right before Christmas break, there was a test and a different instructor gave the test and his accommodation was, and it was actually not just him. There were some other individuals who also were taking the course who had accommodations. They got to go in another room and an instructor would read the test questions. Their multiple choice would read the questions, would read the answers. Um, <clears throat> and that was working really well with my son, except for that last test right before Christmas break. My son was not happy. He didn't pass the test. 
he failed it by a few points because and he felt like it was a different instructor and he said he read the questions too fast he read the answer you know the abc whatever the um answer options too fast and then went on to the next question too fast and he said i couldn't like remember the first question or keep track of which answer I would pick. And he was already on to the next question. So my son actually spoke up and said, and said to the instructor, I have slow processing pace. You know, you went way too fast. I can't, I, I couldn't keep up. So they gave him permission to retake the test the following week after, after Christmas. Um, and he took it again. They gave him a different instructor who, you know, was reminded, you have to read them more slowly. And my son passed the test. So super proud of him, though, although there's a lot of things because he's, you know, that older teen doesn't like this situation, yet he's recognizing that he does need accommodations in order to be successful in certain situations. And he's starting to be able to speak up for himself like that. Um, so he's picking up you know, what I've been talking about at home, like, oh, yeah, you know, when he was explaining, I'm like, Jordan, you have a slower processing pace. um, And you can do great with this, you just need, you know, you need the information to come at you a little slower. So he was able to advocate for himself. um, And because we had had that conversation a while ago, um, when before he, you know, when we signed up for the test, or signed up for the course for him, um, he was able to advocate for himself throughout the course, which was just wonderful. Now, my younger son, who's 17, um, much more severely impacted by FAS, he realizes that he has a difficult time remembering things and doing things. And, And because the more FASD aware and educated I have gotten, the more it's just part of our daily vocabulary, um, I have actually seen him stop and say something like, come on, brain, think when he's trying to remember something. So he's recognizing it's his brain and he's trying to get his brain, you know, kick it into gear. Um, so I, I just love that because I feel like he's beginning to realize there's, it's not him, it's his brain and his brain needs some help so we can accommodate and he can be successful. So the next time your kiddo forgets something, stop and think to yourself, is this a brain thing? Is my child's brain having a hard time remembering? Can my child's brain remember? Or at least remember most of the time? Or maybe this could be an actual symptom of a brain-based disability. Your child's forgetfulness at home, whether it be with chores or homework or whatever, um, and problems at school, like not being able to spell or memorizing multiplication facts, um, forgetting to bring home homework or whatever it is, it is very likely that they're not doing it on purpose. They're not being rebellious or oppositional or lazy. They may have a brain-based disability caused by prenatal exposure to alcohol, or they may have another, some other uh, neurobehavioral disorder. So my advice, like, what do we do? What what can I tell you that will help you with this? First and foremost, get educated about fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. This podcast 
is a great place to start. We also offer several workshops like the free lunch and learn, like the three hour deep dive, um, and other resources to get you started and to help you on this journey. We have a support group for parents, whether your child is diagnosed or not with FASD. If you're just, if this kind of stuff is sounding like, you know, oh my goodness, this is my kid, join our group because we have three monthly online support groups. Um, and it's, there's a group so far, it's just all moms, but we welcome dads and we meet together. You don't have to make all three, just whatever fits into your schedule, but it's the first, second, and third Tuesday nights of each month. We do it via Zoom. Um, and we are a support to one another um, because this is a very difficult journey, but we also learn from each other. And every month we have a VIP guest who we also get to hear from, and then we get to ask questions of. So it's another great resource. So don't go it alone. Learn all you can. Get as much support as you can for yourself and your kid and learn to think brain. Um, accommodations help. So learn how to accommodate. Again, if there's memory problems going on, will visual aids help? Will verbal reminders help? Will, you know, a technology help? Um, experiment to find out what works best for your child. Every child is different. Every kid is different. Every person is different. Every brain is different. And even individuals with an FASD each one are different. So it's not cookie cutter. There's a lot of similarities here, a lot of the same symptoms, but find what works for your specific individual and go with that. Um, those things are super important. Um, remember, you may be part of that accommodation by offering those reminders. Um, you, these, our kids need support to be successful. They need us to be on their side as their coach, as their cheerleader, not as their, you know, jail warden or, you know, whatever. Like we are on their side. I know another adoptive mom with kiddos with FASD um, and she used to tell her kid, it's me and you against your brain. We don't know what your brain is going to do today, but you and I are together in this. And that's really what we need to need to be. You know, we need to be together and, and advocating for our kid and kids and um, not being kind of butting heads, but united together to see how they can be supported to be more successful. Um, and finally, extend your child and yourself grace. This is a difficult journey. We cannot do it alone. Um, we need each other. That was part of the reason why Natalie and I started the support group. We needed each other and we knew other families, other parents need that support as well. So consider joining us there. And as I wrap up, the next FASD symptom that I will be addressing in the series is difficulty with abstract concepts. So think of it as time management, money, these concepts super hard with kiddos on the spectrum. Um, I also have some great guests lined up. Um, not some are FASD related topics, but others are not. Um, so make sure you keep listening. Uh, we have upcoming uh, Dr. Douglas Waite, a New York City based doctor who specializes in FASD. 
Um, also, Rita Sorensen of Wendy's Wonderful Kids will be talking about their post-adoption resources and a plethora <clears throat> excuse me, sorry about that, a plethora of parents who are also on this journey. So be sure to keep listening. And thank you for listening today to this episode of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey. I'm just so grateful that you are with us on this journey together. I hope you feel encouraged and better equipped for your parenting journey after listening today. Um, and of course, for help along the way, be sure to check out all of our resources uh, at justicefororphansny.org. I always like to thank our business sponsors. Uh, these are local businesses to us at JFO who support us and help us do what we do, uh, like this podcast and many of the other things that we do with our care portal. So we thank Tri Nuclear Corporation, Bishop Bowdry Construction, National Bank of Kooksaki and Cullman Insurance Agency. Uh, again, if you enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to subscribe and let your fellow adoptive and fostering friends know about it as well. Be sure to find and follow Justice for Orphans on Facebook and Instagram at Justice for Orphans. You can also find me, Sandra Flack, on both platforms as well. Again, grateful to have you on this journey. And I'm so grateful that you spent your valuable time with us today. See you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey podcast, brought to you by Justice for Orphans. We hope you were encouraged today. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review and share it with your fellow foster and adoptive parent friends so they can be encouraged too. Be sure to find and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Justice for Orphans. And check out our website for vital resources at justicefororphansny.org.